welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Lockie Bradford. And I'm Robbie Hicks. And on today's episode, we have the incredible Geordie Smith, uh, world tour surfer, future Olympian, uh, South African wonder from down under. Huh? Did you say that? <laughs> is, it, is it from down under? I don't know if it's I don't from know. down I'm under. It, it sounds good and it rhymes, so we'll go with it. Hey, founder of Heaps Normal. Co-founder. Co-founder of Heaps yeah, Normal. It's a bit of a team there, but... Uh, this was an unreal chat, wasn't it, Rob? I couldn't believe it. I was actually really nervous. I don't really get too nervous before uh, our, our chats, but yeah, I was a bit nervous. I was a bit, I didn't know what to say, but uh, he blew our minds. He's such a smart dude, what he's been able to achieve in his career. Like he's been on the tour for what, 14 plus years. That's fucking crazy. Oh, sustained level of performance. Hearing, unpacking how he treats, approaches heats and finals and competitive edge and I don't know, heading into this year, I, I hope he wins gold. So I hope you guys take some lots of nuggets of gold out of this episode because there was plenty. You love the word nuggets, stay out. Congrats on everything. Like that's that's epic that you're um that you're doing this with everything with heaps normal. I mean, um yeah. pretty crazy stuff. I mean, that you only just started like halfway through last year and you guys are flying. Yeah, thanks. That's uh it's been kind of a crazy ride, to be honest. Um we didn't expect to go this well. Um, yeah, and I was, I remember having the conversation in the beginning. I was, it's been on my mind for a little while. Um, and it was in like 20, early 2018 that I was in Tahiti and I was just like, fuck, I've got to pull the trigger on something. I, I'm, I'm really, I kind of believe in this. Um, and then I just randomly heard that Pete was also kind of on the same, on the same kind of, whatever path or whatever um and he had obviously known andy and benny and then I, I just everything kind of happened so fast and so smoothly i didn't expect for it to be like i just thought there was going to be way more headaches i thought it was going to be like a lot a lot of nightmares a lot of fucking in the middle of night calls going hey it's kind of shat the bed um <laughs> the beer's taking longer it's tasting terrible all this type of stuff and then um it just kind of happened really smoothly. Um, everyone that I've been working with has just been amazing. And so it's, I just, I just, every, every phone call, every meeting that we have, it just gets better and better. And it kind of just makes me more amped and more psyched. So yeah, yeah we, feel, we feel the same watching it from and being involved now and like just seeing the different type of people you're getting involved in what the, where the brand's headed, like yeah. even just, we have so many conversations with people now it's around first time they've ever heard of non-alcoholic beer. And just having that conversation, but then showing them, I guess, one, one of the reasons we're so psyched is just the team and what it means, like the bigger than just the product, but the product itself is unreal. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously one thing um, you, you definitely have to have uh, a really good tasting beer. Cause I felt like that was at least my first motive. I was like, Hey guys, you can't, we cannot go to market with some shit fucking tasting beer because it's just going to join the rest. And like, that's the first thing everyone kind of says like, wow, it actually tastes good, you know? Um, and then secondly is like, what's our, what's our brand message? Like, what are we actually about and what are we, what are we pushing for? And it's like, we're definitely not against alcohol. We're not like um, preaching sobriety about alcohol is the devil and all this kind of thing. It's more like, Hey, you know what? Um, you can have a couple beers and then at the same time, have two of ours and still drive home and get up and play with your kids in the morning or go for a surf or whatever you want to do. Um, and um, even on the other side of things, I, in, the, in the kind of early stages, 
uh, to be honest, I was really thinking a lot about like um, firemen and, and, and surgeons and people like that, that are always on call cops um, that basically, you know, obviously they can't be under the influence, but at the end of the day, if a guy's, they've just put out a fire or whatever, and they want to have a beer, they've still got to, they still got to be on call. Um, they obviously can't have alcohol in their system, but um, so I just wanted to kind of give them an option and be like, well, what about those people? You know, what about those people that basically don't have the opportunity to, to have good tasting beers and stuff like that with no alcohol in it? And um, yeah, like I said, it's just been pretty good, uh, smooth ride so far. And uh, yeah, I hope we can just continue. Well, here in Oz, I feel like non-alcoholic beer, that category and the type of, there's been not, there's nothing there that sort of interests like it, the product exists. I know I'm trying yeah. to, I'm trying to get there, but it's not like it's nothing that I would want to go and grab something off the shelf. You know Associate what I mean? yourself with. I don't really want to. Yeah, yeah, it's more and yeah. the types of I guess what the brands that they put out there they're not appealing to the to the audience that you guys do. And I feel like what if how we see it going is that you're really appealing to the general public, and it's not it's not a, like a subcategory. It's not this. It's more like no, no. It's front and center. You can make better choices. You can make healthier choices. You can make more educated decisions on your own life, and you don't have to feel peer pressured out of oh, I can't attend to that because I can't drink. You know what I mean? I can still go and be involved and not miss out. Exactly. I think especially for I feel like for young culture, you know, youngins, they're always kind of coming out of college, whatever they want to get shit faced and all this kind of thing. But I feel like it's maybe changing a little bit. It's definitely getting people a lot more mindful now of like. Hey, I gotta, you know, I wanna, I wanna be successful, and I wanna be driven, and I wanna, you know, set myself up and do all these type of things. And um, I feel like that with his normal, that's what it kind of, it is, you know. Um, at least that's the mind frame it puts me in. It's like, hey, I, I do wanna come in and have a beer on the beach, but I wanna get up fucking sparrows tomorrow and get it again. And yeah. So, um, I wanna do the same thing, and I wanna enjoy it even more uh so yeah that's kind of my at least my mentality yeah man we're 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 stoked we're pumped to watch where it goes i just think oh, you and the team it's just yeah we're, we're, we're big fans how how what's the like the background for you then like going through the ranks and coming up surfing did were you just like i need to be hyper focused like I, I i can't be going out getting wasted like was there a moment did you like delve into that at the start or you never sort of were like that like how was it for um, you the depth for, for me personally, it, I just started like asking myself these kind of super in-depth questions. Like I was just like, what, how it started, it was like, well, what percentage of my ability do you want to own? Like what percentage do I want to have of my ability? So I, for me personally, I want a hundred percent of my ability. And then um, what am I going to like put in place to achieve a hundred percent of my ability? So like, Hey, if it's like, Hey, I got to cut out alcohol. I got to cut out whatever fucking eating meat, this, that, not that I do, I still eat meat, but um, just kind of going down the line of like, Hey, what's actually, is it smart? What's going to make me better uh, and reach that full potential of, of, of Geordie, you know? And I felt like alcohol was one of them. Um, so yeah, I just kind of cut it out. And it's not to say that I'm going to stop alcohol for, the rest of my life or anything like that now i actually still drink a glass of wine it's just really making sure like time and place for everything because um, like surfing is a sports evolves it must have evolved so much since, since you first got into it to the yeah. whole surf like surfers as athletes uh, yeah. i wouldn't mind hearing your thoughts on how it's evolved since you sort of entered the sport i mean yeah i've, I've been on tour like 14 years now and i'll tell you like when we first entered the tour it was just off the richter 
everyone was a damn rock star. And like me coming out of high school, basically 18 years old, fresh, you know, big contracts, all this stuff, just straight into it. Just watching how these guys lived their lives. It was mayhem, absolute mayhem. There was a party before the contest. There was a party <laughs> all during, and there was a party afterwards. And nobody changed airline tickets. It was like you were there for the full two and a half weeks and you just pretty much went ham. And it was just like, obviously right in the prime times of like Kelly and Andy and the surf industry is booming and everything's just going nuts. And it was, it was psycho. Now the guys are like eating soy steak, vegan, <laughs> non-alcoholic beers, you know? And that's kind of, that's how it's just changed. And this, there was only like 30 grand back in the day for the first prize, you know, now it's a hundred grand at every event. So you, you want a hundred grand, you're going to put a payment down on a house. You know what I mean? And so for guy, a lot of guys, it's like, this is serious stuff. And um, I think a lot bigger contracts have come into play. Um, obviously the sports elevated tremendously and uh, yeah, either you keep up or you get left behind. So you need a, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nice for me to be able to have seen, you know, both edges both edges of the sword, so to speak. And um, yeah, this one we're on now is definitely one of Yeah, when when you first entered, like it would have been like jumping off the plane, going far out. This is my life. Like I'm a pro <laughs> surfer. What what fucking circus have I joined? Yeah, exactly. That was it. Um, I sh- I remember showing up to the Gold Coast for my first event, and there was like just it was just a party every single night. And I, and I was like, in my defense, I was very like naive to what was actually going on on tour. Um, because in my eyes, you only just kind of saw the videos of all these guys, Kelly, Andy, Taj, Joel, or, you know, all these like superstars, so to speak. And then um, when you're there, like kind of going like, shit, this guy's having a beer now. Tomorrow's fucking his heat's on, um, you know? And then they're outraging the Mickey Avalon concerts and all these things. It's just like, what the hell's going down? Anyway, it was, it was, um, it was really cool though for me to kind of see that. And then um, I guess I, I kind of learned from it from a pretty young age. Um, I just always thought, saw it like, it was their kryptonite, you know? So as much as they kind of did it and they enjoyed it, it just didn't serve them any purpose. It never did them any good. So for me, it was, that's kind of what I took out of it. I was like, well, this, if, I, if I'm going to beat this guy, that's, that's because I can go to bed early tonight and maybe, you know, I'll still go to the show, but I won't go till 4 a.m. in the morning, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just changed so much um, in, in a good way. Yeah, you know, it's obviously become a lot more professional um there's a lot more eyeballs on it now it's a lot more like um yeah i don't know there's just coaches and there's just they i feel like surfing they're grooming surfers now you know more so back then it was like here's this wild card kid from wherever um throw him a bunch of money 16 17 years old kid's got a huge paycheck and now just throw him out into the with the wolves you know some 18 year old kids hanging around with 35 year olds it's like yeah. Man, I was out surfing the other day at Janjak and there was a, a few little groms that mustn't have been older than maybe five years old. I was surprised they could swim, let alone duck dive <laughs> and get out the back. And I'm thinking, here I am chugging around, just getting smacked by the whitewash, getting out of the back. And then these little kids are doing big snaps and 360s. I'm like, hey, I, I don't reckon is, I was Is playing. it wave pools that are helping out? I just think it's more, they've got more content to watch or there's better coaching, there's better structure. Like going back to what you're saying before about surfing sort of coming that full circle last year, 
obviously with COVID, everything got wiped out, no surf league, no Olympics. You know, surfing's gone from being that sport you're talking about when you joined the tour to a professional sport that's like it's now an event in the Olympics. Tell us about that. Exactly. Like you said, um, the kids now are just groomed. There's wave pools. There's so many, there's so much accessibility, whether it's like through social media, uh, the parents on the beach with video cameras, videoing them, fucking paddle the potter, this, that, you know. Um, and now that obviously like surfing's in the Olympics, it's pretty, I, don't, I never actually even dreamt about it, to be honest. Like, I just didn't think it was a possibility. When I watched the Olympics, I watched like hurdles, long jump, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, oh, it's for the mainstream stuff. And now surfing's mainstream. You know, you look at all the biggest brands in the world, Louis Vuitton, Chanel, this, and they've all come summer, they're fucking repping surfboards in the windows, all this stuff, and they've never been a part of surfing whatsoever, you know? Mm. And it's just like, it's mainstream. And, and you know, they all want a piece of that pie. Um, and it, you know, it's going to be interesting. You know, obviously it's going to be pretty small in Japan if, if we have it, the waves and that. So the first debut of it could be a little sketchy, but... Nevertheless, we're in it and, um, you know, give it a best shot. Do you reckon it's here to stay? Well, yeah, I, th I think so. Um, what do you mean as if, as if we're, it's going to run? Because it's or... a trial and event, this one, isn't it? It's not, it's not Pretty... locked in for an extended, this is the event in the Olympics for good, or is it, isn't it for like two Olympics? I think they've locked it in. I think they've oh, locked, wrong. like they've locked. That's grouse. 24 is Paris, but we've been okay for Tahiti. So Ooh. that could be really cool. Yeah. Does that does that sort of motivate you then to keep going and keep pushing with these new sort of goals sort of coming up going, hang on, well, now there's more things to sort of aim at? Absolutely. I think, you know, goal 100% two Olympics and I'll want to push for three. So that'd be, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. A few tattoos on under the arm, the Olympic oh, rings. I don't know if I'll be getting tats, but it seems like the thing to do, but I don't, I don't know. I probably wouldn't get one, no. Maybe if I want gold or something, then get a little gold too. <laughs> that, would, oh, that would be unreal. I'm in a whole row. Yeah. Get the whole front tent. Full grills. Hey, yeah, I'm an Olympic gold medalist, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And you're talking about like 14th year on tour. Talk about what goes into sustain, like staying. <laughs> I think when I think athletes and cross sports, one of the things for me about people who can perform at the top level is it's about sustainability. It's like yeah. longevity. It's you've performed at a high level for an extended period of time. Tell us about what's gone into getting your body right and I guess your mind right to get up and have a run at world titles over and over again. Yeah, it, it can get pretty draining. Um, I definitely think like, I didn't know that I needed it until actually COVID happened, but a break. Um, thinking about it, like that wouldn't, that would have been the longest break I'd have until my career is over, you know? So being able to like step back and actually reevaluate stuff um, and look at the you know, weaknesses uh really really closely i felt like that came at, at the perfect time for me you know um a lot of these other surfers like they're going to be on there from pretty much now if they've just joined you know for 10, 15 20 years whatever they want it's it's a long stint to just maintain in that moment in that like constant go 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 constant attack 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 um but I think what I did really well and what I've been doing is just every year, just obsess over one thing. And you, because you can't do the same thing every year and expect different results, right? So I just obsess over one thing and 
make that my priority every year like a, a positive thing obviously but just add it to the things that i was doing every year and just keep upping it and keep upping it and keep upping it every year um and yeah that kind of that seems to be working for me and then just really understanding like who you are as a person what you're into and being okay with that like there's so many different people and, and I see a lot of their kids coming on to they're trying to be like this or they're trying to be like that or they're not too sure what kind of mold to fit into how their sponsors are going to like it um, but the reality is the best thing you can do is just fucking be yourself um, yeah nice. I like yeah, that. That's, did, that's, that's kind of what I've, I've done you know you mentioned sponsors like I feel like you, you mentioned before like Chanel and it's come summertime they try and roll out here let's get yeah. the, the beach vibes in but when I, when the Jordy Smith handbags. Huh? Jordy Smith handbags. Oh, yeah. I like that. Actually, there you go. Yeah, that's an idea. <laughs> but even like when I think about surfers and sponsors or like action sports and sponsors, they go hand in hand where I feel like a lot of other brands struggle to find that partnership that actually is authentic and resonates with people that, because it's not really just you selling their shit. You know what I mean? You're on their yeah. team. You belong to something. You've been with your sponsors for a long period of time. I'd love to hear about your relationship with sponsors and how they've actually supported your journey. Yeah. So obviously in the beginning sponsors, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a strange, I feel like topic and relationship because initially when they sign somebody in my mind, it's like they're buying a piece of what they really like you to do of, of what you are and like a product, like they buy into you and what you're about and what you're into and your style and everything like that. And then through time, it seems like they can try and mold the person into what that brand wants and what they need. Uh, more as opposed to just, hey, let's just back who this guy is um, as a person and and what he's about and just keep fueling his whole his whole deal because that's originally kind of what they what they bought into, you know. Um, so that's kind of what I've experienced. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's like, I mean, you, you, we can't be, you know, bitter about anything. I mean, we, we get to travel the world and surf. Um, there is obviously big dollars at stake these days, you know, for a lot of these kids and a lot of, a lot of sponsored athletes that, um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like they might take it a little, a little uh, lightly, you know, they just like kind of run around with the wrong shit on and, and stuff like that. When at the end of the day, you are being paid to, to represent a product and you got to represent it like the best you can. Um, yeah. There's been, there's been some interesting stuff, like Hurley pulling out and a bunch of people losing the, the sponsorships there. And I'm like, John John starting his own sort of thing up. Kelly's got out of know and other people like with blogs, other like there's different dimensions. That's different pathways. It's not the traditional type brand stuff. Yeah. Do you, do you think that that's going to continue to keep popping up and you see people, I guess, trying to support them themselves or build something that's past just that career timeframe? Absolutely. I feel like we're probably in a situation now more so than ever where the big top heavy brands have kind of maxed out. I feel like they've reached their at least financial numbers that they probably can and they're not owned by surfers anymore. Um, and it almost takes a bunch of new brands, fresh brands, bar surfers, or at least associated with surfing in some, in some way that can kind of um, reboot the industry and, and, and like rebuild it again and, and create that hop and that noise again. 
um, like like they did, you know, in the '90s, 2000s. Um, I feel like that's kind of and you, and we're seeing a lot more brands now, like street-ish brands that translate to the ocean. Like, hey, we make fucking dope clothing, but it also it also you can also use it if you go surf, or you can use it and you go skate, or if you want to you know go take a jacket to the mountains or whatever you want to do it's just having good clothing like good looking shit um and at an affordable price as i feel like i was actually just on the phone this morning with a friend um in la who who does a bunch of that and um and yeah he was just kind of saying he's like it, it's not necessarily about having the, the face anymore about a, a brand it's more like having a culture represent something and then going off of that you know um you know you see, like uh, you're doing it heaps normal yeah yeah pretty much yeah you 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 you're creating a culture and and you don't have to be a surfer to fucking get involved you don't have to be a skater you don't have to be a businessman whatever it's just i guess normal people um with all kind of the same mindset yeah with a what similar about mindset, yeah well, your old man, he's shaping boards now, isn't he? Like you're using his sticks and, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, well, actually, so so he, he's been shaping for 50 years. Um, we saw a yeah. photo of him. Oh, he is. He's <laughs> fucking big, isn't he? He's tough yeah. looking. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like six, he's only six feet, but he's, he's pretty solid, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, um, on the, in the photo we looked at, he looked like he was he had, he had could lift heavier weights than you. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. That might have been because he's, been got, he's hammering out the gym now. He's almost 70, 69 now, so... Yeah, he's getting up there. Well, what's it like riding your old man's boards? Like it's making the change. He's been shaping forever, but you've uh, keeping in the family type thing. Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah, it's, it's um, to be honest, it's come full circle for sure. Like started out my whole career until I was 17 riding his equipment. And um, we came from very, you know, minimal beginnings financially and stuff like that. So um, I got offered huge contracts from like JS um, when I was about 17, 18. And he just basically said, he said, you just can't turn down the money. Uh, I would feel like too bad as a father, knowing my son would, would like still keep riding my boards, but be struggling at the same time. He couldn't afford to be able to like fund that. Um, and, and at that point I was kind of on my rise, you know, to joining the CT and um, all this, he's like, you need to take that money to be able to, you know, support your, you, what your dreams are and all this type of stuff. Um, and so then I rode for him, for JS for like five, six years, seven years. And then the same thing jumped onto Channel Islands CR after that with, um, again, super good people, great contract, all that kind of thing. And, um, and then it wasn't until like stab in the dark, pretty much. Um, I did, I did a, a boat trip to the Mentawis where they like run through a whole bunch of different shapers boards and you don't know what, what board they are. My dad, one of his boards ended up slipping in there and I rode it and it came forth and I broke it like on my, my second, my second surf. I probably would have done better, but or better actually might've come third. So, um, that just completely blew my mind in the moment. I was pretty teary. I'd, I just, I just know how hard he had like worked and works. Um, so for me to be like, I felt like I was doing him a disservice at the same time by not riding it. Um, when A, it was going fucking so good. And then B, it just was like it, the gravy's being right in front of me the whole time, you know? Um, 
But anyway, so then I, I, I was jumping back and forth between uh, my coach's boards, this guy, Chris Gallagher, uh, and he was shaping some good boards out of Hawaii. I was doing his, some of his boards and some of my dad's. And then eventually it was like the beginning of, uh, like coming to the end of 18, where I was just like, no, nah, I'm all in with my old boy again. Um, yeah, I'm going back to the roots and I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take all the experience and everything that I've learned and we're just going to grow our own thing and, and do it our way. Well, I love that, man. Considering oh. you, you just become a father yourself and you're going back to work with your old man. It, it it's must a be good pretty, story. It feels a, like a fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that would be insane, you know. If there's one thing, you know, I could ever teach my son is something about the ocean and about surfboards. So um, who knows? Maybe one day he gets into it. Uh, that'd be, you know, even even better. But um, for now, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm just so proud. At the same time, like when I paddle out, I just feel like, I just feel like he's he's with me and he's like, you know, he's, uh, I don't know, he's a part of my journey, so. That's, that's, that's pretty uh, special. Tell us about you, 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 become, a, you become a dad, you become a, yeah. become a father during COVID and this crazy, we were talking just before we clicked record and you were saying you got, you're stuck in different quarantines and going back and forth. What's been that experience becoming a dad in, in times like this? Jeez, I mean, I don't think becoming a dad any other time for me would have been better, to be honest. Like, flew back to Africa. Hey, if the tour was still on, um, I wouldn't have been there for like the whole process, pretty much. You know, I'd have to be bouncing back and forth between events. And uh, I would have completely missed a lot of all the scans and like just a lot of really cool things that you kind of only get to do kind of once, uh, twice, depending on how many kids you have, but at least for that, for that particular kid. Um, I would have just missed everything. And, and so for me to be able to experience that uh, and kind of take full advantage and then obviously uh, have the birth, we had it in, in, in London, in England. Um, my wife, she's got British citizenship. So, she, so we decided to have it there. And then um, when then we got stuck there, dude, we got stuck there for fucking three, three and a half, four months. Um, the Her Majesty's office ended up losing their passport information. And so they were stuck. Um, I hadn't surfed in three months because I was there with the baby and all that. And then jumped on a plane, landed in Hawaii, surfed the very next day of the event, um, got fifth in the event, jumped back on the plane and then went back to London and sat for another month. And um, that's insane. Then they, yeah. Then they found our stuff and we were living in, I promise you it was like disgusting, small one bedroom, one toilet place we we originally rented it because we just thought we were going to be there for a week while we had the birth and then we'll be out and we'd have the passport everything would be sorted we out but we sat there for three and a half four months my wife did four months i did three and a half because of the the 10 days i had in hawaii um what did you do to keep how did you go when you went to hawaii oh you, you would have been itchy. did you run on the plane oh, were you just like dude, get was, it was the hardest thing i'd ever i think done leaving my family there and my newborn i just remember howling kind of on the way to the airport i was like pretty bummed you know but at the same time i knew it was like if he was growing up and i'm sure he would tell me dad you had to go do it you had to do it you know so it was just like kind of okay i'm gonna suck it up and just get us done uh my wife was an absolute trooper you know to no help nothing can't leave the room Oh, they, they, they had like this new strain in, in, in the center of London. The whole London city was shut down. Nothing was open, just the supermarket if you needed food. And at the same time, 
we didn't go anywhere. We couldn't go anywhere because if you did get COVID, then you would be stuck 14 days and I'd miss the event, period. And if the passport decided to show up, we'd have to stay there 14 days, period. So we, we every day we were just hoping that something was going to show. For two months, we were hoping every day. Man, and you're the lockdown king. You've done, oh, you've done heaps of lockdown. Yeah. Anyway, so then we eventually got out of there. Fuck, it was like to see sunlight. It was in winter, in the middle of winter, London. The sun goes, well, it doesn't even the sun. It's like it goes gray at 8.30 in the morning. And then three o'clock, it's black in the afternoon. And it's raining and gray all day. I promise you, I can, I can see how people just get depressed. I was like on the verge. <laughs> I was just sitting there trying to do as many sit-ups and push-ups in this five by five as I could. Knowing that I'm going, to going, <laughs> going down this damn ledge at Pipeline in like a matter of hours, and I was just going, "Oh, this is going to be good." How were so, the arms when you panelled out after not being out for three months? Were they jelly? Yeah, they were. Oh, I, I had one early morning surf before my heat in the first day, and I, I mean, I, I actually couldn't care less about the result. At that point, I was just, I couldn't believe I was in Hawaii actually experiencing it. I was like, "This is incredible," you know. It was like a grom again surfed pretty much my brain out every day knowing i was going back to london and then um geez, yeah once i got back to london i felt like it was even worse because i'd actually i'd got to the point where i'd seen the light at the end of the tunnel and i'd like experienced it where my wife was still just stuck in that mode of like survival i was like no there is a better place but we we just can't go there every day i'm like phone again phone again Anyway, what were you like on the phone? Were you just like, oh, no, it's pretty miserable here. There's, it's raining. There's not much happening. Uh, yeah, luckily, our like, friends and family were kind of keeping us busy through that time. They were just be checking in. And then a couple of times, I would be just snapping, just like, don't fucking call. You know the story. You know what's going on. You know, And oh, it, was, it was terrible. But, um, yeah, I think my wife got MVP of that thing for sure. Just for, for, dealing with for, that whole thing. How are you going to go? Is, is the plan as a family now as the world starts or touch wood opens back up and yep. some form of normality as we can travel a bit more? Is the plan to have a crack at the next few years and travel around and do the stops as a family? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think just having a young family, they won't come to every location. Um, they probably won't go to like Brazil and a few places that they've been before. There's just not much there for them. Um, but I think as he gets older, he's probably going to enjoy some of the places a little more. Um, but right now, it's just like I just want—I just want to have them near me. I feel—I feel really comfortable. It makes me—I feel like it makes me work harder to have even more purpose. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just—I just—I just get stoked. I think it would—it would be worse if, if, like, this leg is going to be three months long, and I think if I was here in Oz and they were at home, I just—I'd be missing out on a lot, you know. And that would kind of do my head. And so to have them here just helps me focus a lot better. That's bad. I'm, we're spewing. It's, it's, it's good for the world surfing, good for surfing New South Wales. But we're spewing. We're down in Torquay. And we're, yeah. we're assuming that you were going to get to see you and potentially record this in person down here and for the Bells contest. And we were just, when we saw yeah. the news, we were driving back from Melbourne. We'd been, I don't know, yeah. we went somewhere. It doesn't really matter. Doing something. Doing something yeah. And then yeah. we come back, saw the news. It was like fucking spewing. Yeah. No, I couldn't believe it actually. Because one of our favorite places to go to is Bells. Both Lyndall and I, uh, we love it down there. Um, she, was, she was like talking about fucking moving there for a little bit. And I was like, she wants to get a farm and get a horse and all this. I was like, fuck, all right, babe. Let's, let's, let's just simmer down a little bit, you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, no, she she really likes it down there. So um, yeah, I don't know. In the world, uh, I heard that it was going to kind of damage a lot of the the income and and things like that. You know, uh, not having the event down there. It's but, um, it's pretty sad for some of the because obviously the year before it was it was off because everyone the whole tour was off but uh back-to-back years and you could just see like it COVID did have a big impact on there's some people some life around but there was definitely a big impact you saw a lot of like you know like the knickknacky stores things yeah. that people go in that's obviously runs on the blood of the tourists that come down here and yeah they all sort of shut up but um it, it's exciting to see when yeah if, when the you tours did. come back for three more years i think they locked in a thing so yeah, next year to be back so I'm, you've rung the bell hey yeah yeah that would have been a cool moment. It was. Fuck, I got second the year before and I've had a bunch of thirds and it finally got to the point where I just kind of gave up. I was just like, whatever, you know, I might not win one of these things. Um, end up like claiming it in the middle of the final, trying to like do this claim ringing the bell thing. And everyone's always like, oh, you can't, you can't ring it until you've won it. And I was like, oh, fuck that myth, whatever. Just let me ring this thing. Anyway, sure enough, get on the stage in front of all the people or like whatever three four thousand people are like just standing around and fucking ringing this heavy thing the thing swings back the bell does and hits me square in the mouth chips my front tooth on the <laughs> chips my front tooth like this i just feel like i've been hit in the mouth by mark tyson i'm just like oh my god you know when you feel your teeth like you think you think your whole mouth is on the floor pretty much and you feel, i'm just feeling it with my tongue asking the commentator going is my tooth still there? Is my tooth still there? Like this, I don't want to smile in case it's just no tooth. Um, I felt like at that moment, I just felt like smashing that bloody bell on the ground. It was so sore, like cut my lip. Um, so yeah, I guess a bit of karma, you know, for pre-ringing, but was it um, worth I winning? I'll take that moment just to just to win it, have the, have the win for sure. Well, the last contest that was run here, it was, I, I remember going to watch it, it was massive. You know, we had some unreal size surf. It was the biggest of the contest was running for a while. Um, I, I was we're getting no, prepped for this, talking to you, and I was clicking through, and it popped up on the thing like the semi-final heat against you had you had against John John. Yeah. Um, I thought you had it in the bag, and then he got from got nowhere and snuck one, yeah. in and got some couple of got monsters. But the day before that, the surf was even bigger. It was it was? I remember the swell was like rising, it was peaking, and um, I was the last heat of the day, and I remember being uh, getting dropped off by the jet ski which was fucking miles out to the sea i was sitting in the middle of the ocean and i thought oh there's no way I'm, I'm i'm so far out here um i need to paddle in a little bit to get a to get a wave and as i got up the ski i just remember turning around and going there's no way i just saw the set come must have been 10 12 foot it was break it was going to break like an extra 10 20 meters out further than where i was and i felt like already i was fucking by the ship I could like barely see the, the land of bells. It was like misty, huge. Anyway, I remember catching a wave. It, you, you basically were trying to catch waves that you were going to end at bells. Like you could guarantee you were going to end them at bells because the waves were pushing past, like you would take off at bells and end up at Winky Pop, like past Winky Pop. It was so fucking huge, but it was one to remember. That's for sure. Yeah. And tell us about the, the, the tour itself. I want to talk about the World Surf League. 
outsider's perspective looking in, it, it, to me, it's one of the most innovative organizations in sports. Oh, you should hear how much he talks about I it. I like it. Oh. It's a brand. I just think it's, cause it's good. It's, so much goes into make it's a, it's a global tour. There's no home base. You know, you guys move around the crew, the tour, yeah. how you broadcast, how you get this, like everything involved with getting like the athletes, the content around it. It's a fucking big organization. It's a big event that has to be yeah. put on and all over the world. Like, What's it like being involved with an organization like that? I mean, I think WSL, I mean, they do an incredible job of like trying to take care of the surfers. Um, they definitely, it's a, it's a full on media product. It's like a movie set, movie set, pretty much every, every stop, you know, with everything set up the way it is um, all for like major, major broadcasting. Um, and that was actually, I think one of the reasons it was so difficult for us to, to get uh, permits everywhere in the world it was because it was different. For, it's not, we're not sanctioned under an events, I don't believe. I think we're under like a production. And so once it becomes production, I think it's like a whole new uh, license and stuff that you need to be able to run events because it's the same as you're under the same thing as concerts. Uh, uh, yeah. To run like concerts, you know? Uh, when that amount of people are going to be coming down to places, um, whether it is like bells, you know, having all those people on the cliffs and things like that. Anyway, um, it is incredible to be a part of it. They they do really well by us. Um, even just here in the in, in the hotel, they've really been helping all the athletes out with like meals and things like that. Um, yeah. So overall, it's been. I think it's changed a lot since it was the the ASP to now. It's. Um, Seems like it's just a way more professional. Um, yeah. Tell us about, um, like, obviously you, you surf millions and millions of heats. What about the difference between a heat and a final, like the mindset? Um, what, what changes? Kind of all depends on who you're surfing against, I think. Um, obviously you go out there and you, you kind of do your best in every heat, but most in, in the finals, like finals day, it's just let you let your hair down. You got to let everything hang out and just kind of go for it. Um, there can be some structure once you're in a heat and once things start to move and you got to like adapting to the situations or the waves or the, or the wind or anything that's changing. Um, but that you have to kind of do on the fly for the most part, you kind of, if you're in a final, you're going to swing for the fences, you, you minimum, you get in second. So, um, just you just got to kind of go for it most of the time finals don't really get one on like two fours or something you know it's mm -hmm. it's normally kind of in the sevens and above so you gotta you gotta be ready to start swinging did you get nervous uh i wouldn't say nervous i would say more like anxious um i suppose that yeah i suppose there are nerves but it's it's a weird thing like my, my nerves happen before before way before my, my, my nerves are happening like while i'm warming up where i'm looking while i'm analyzing and then once i'm in it it the nerves are gone once it's like, like once the hooter starts it's just they're gone and all of it, it just becomes like this laser like like i don't know zone they call it whatever they call it just this feeling where you just like i'm i'm just ready to go i'm attacking everything i'm seeing everything um, that's why it's kind of hard for people to talk like they'll they speak a lot about they don't talk in the water or they don't like 
because you really you don't even think you're not even thinking about talking you're just thinking about like finding and hunting and like being so in tune with what's fucking going on yeah i was, I was living with a bloke who um he's called hamish he's right into his cricket and when we were living together because I, I would always have the surfing on when it was on he started getting into it. And he, for those who are listening, who might not know how a heat works, yeah. love to go into some of the, like the tactical stuff. Cause it's, it, it is a really tactical sport when you watch a heat play out. Um, love to get your thoughts on how like tactics of surfing or even that element of surfing has progressed in time. I mean, at this level in the surfing now, it's it, the, the tactics have started way before you even enter the water. Like you, you're deciding where you're going to paddle out because you know the type of person that person is and what his characteristics are, what he's going to be doing, how he's going to be doing it. What does it look like if he starts in the, you know, out the back over there, where does that put me? You know, um, how am I going to combat his strengths? Okay. So he's going to have to play my game. Uh, you know, I can't be playing, could get caught playing his game. If the waves are, you know, I've got to do what I do best, but I've got to make sure that, you know, he doesn't get too far away from me. Um, you know, you want to match apples with apples. So if he goes and does an air, you better be sure that you can, you've got something in the arsenal that you can do an air. Um, you can't be doing five cutbacks and a floater and expect the same score. So you just got, there's like so many things that just keep, it's like, it's like poker where it just, there's just new hands all the time. That just, it's like, what well, I don't know much about poker, but I think that there's like only five on the, on the, on the river mm. or the bluff or whatever, you know? But at this, with the surfing, it's like they just, the cards just keep coming. And you just got to keep adapting and be like, hey, now what am, I, what am I waiting for now? Okay, well, now I need a queen. Okay, fuck, there's my queen, bang. You know? Is there anyone better than others at tactical? Is there anyone who stands out on tour right now who's got tactics down pat? I mean, I think the top five guys, top five, maybe top eight guys are all very, very close. Um, there's, you know, there's other moves and stuff that you can do. Like, so interesting, like Gabrielle's, you know, did that one, that one guy, Kaya Belly at Park. Um, it's just the rookies kind of on the, on the lower side, just because of experience. I think Kelly's probably had the most experience. So he's probably the biggest tactic. Um, whereas now, I, I don't know, he's kind of mellowed out on them a little bit, I feel. Maybe not so much the tactics, but more like the tenacity of, some, of somebody, you, you know. Um, but yeah, it's basically like, kill or be killed or um yeah like if i'm not fucking if i'm not fucking somebody else over they fucking me over so who's some of the hardest people that you've come against throughout the years like who are some of the toughest competitors i'd say b Durbage was one for me um a, a few years back um i was kind of in my rookie st status and he was just so consistent and he did not budge from doing what he did. And even though sometimes it was not exciting at all, like he would not push the boundaries of the sport or, or anything like that in the heats, it would just be his consistency was his gift. And, and he could just hammer those sevens like it was no one's business, you know? And back then it was like, oh my God, if you like, if you, if I didn't do what I did and I didn't land my stuff, like if I landed, I get all done, I've got like eights and nines and it's done. But if you don't, he will catch you and he will beat you. So he would rely on you trying to over surf and out surf him. And, and 
and you would just get caught there with your pants down pretty much trying to go too big trying to act too cool egos getting in front of you and um and hammer you and i swear he hammered me like seven times in a row and and it wasn't until j bay this one event um i was was losing i was comboed and there was like four not four minutes left and j bay is obviously a big lineup you know so and i remember turning around and looking at the beach and my dad used to kind of direct me back then on the, on the beach like hey the set's coming like wait for these next sets anyway i saw him look and he just fucking like threw his hands up at me and like turned his back and walked away and i just fucking like imploded completely lost my mind and literally just paddled, like started paddling in and got this wave just went loony on the wave turned around started sprinting back to the lineup then there was like 45 seconds to go Bede had priority and he had to make a decision on like fuck is he going to give me the first wave or is the second wave or what's he going to do you know like sure enough he uh, like he starts paddling towards me and he and he and he goes the first one so in his mind i'm thinking okay so for him he's going with the guarantee he's taking the wave he's he'd rather put all the pressure on me going like hey okay i'm giving you your chance i'm going to take this one i'm not going to give you this chance but i'm going to give you the balls in your court now you need to perform and sure enough got the next wave and just went ham on the thing made the heat i couldn't believe it couldn't believe i'd finally beaten him but i think it was that like a build up of everything like when i saw my dad turning his back on me i was like fuck this fuck you like i'll show you don't you turn your back i'm i'm ready you know anyway so yeah it was kind of a, a cool thing I reckon you should send feed that little snippet and say, Bede, do you remember the time I got, yeah, you had priority, 45 seconds left. I don't know if you're still thinking about it, but I am too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reckon and, you would remember it. Hey, tell us about your inspirations, like outside sports or other sports. Maybe it's in, it doesn't matter what industry it is, but yeah. who have you drawn inspiration from? Who do you learn from? Um, she's not even, not just sports like... You know, when I was when I was younger, um, I used to really look at like Mark Tyson a lot, um, just because his whole technique and the way he and his attitude and everything, the way he did things was was like he he was a heavyweight boxer that focused on boxing like a lightweight. And so for me, when I was younger, growing up, I always got told, "You're too big. You're too big. You're too big. You're too big." Um, you know, you're going to be too big to surf. Like we're talking about Kelly Slater and these people that are like five, eight, five, nine, and here's six foot three. So, and the majority of them, even today, like Italo is like five, 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 six, Philippe, five, seven, five, six. All these guys are, are small, you know? And then there's me that's like 200 pounds or 90 kilos. Everyone else is way underneath me. Um, and so my whole driving force became technique and pre precision. Like you have to have like, you, okay, I'm bigger, but I have to have perfect technique and, and equating it to Mark Tyson is like, okay, well, you're going to be a heavyweight, but you need to box like a lightweight. You need to be fast. You need to be agile. You need to move and jive and, and, and be like that. And so that's kind of how my, my mindset was. And, um, and then, you know, like coming through the ranks, obviously once that precision and that accuracy turned into, into the power and stuff then it just it became better and it, that's when it like started to really kick off for me yeah um, i don't know if i answered the question there but my yeah. tyson videos get you jacked up oh he's still cool oh, yeah. man if you've seen his podcast and stuff he's still i haven't cool seen his guy. podcast but I, I do watch 
a lot of clips though. I used to watch a lot of clips of all his movies. Um, yeah, like I was ferocious as hell. Yeah, I, I reckon I'd just shit myself if he, <laughs> if he oh, yeah. looked at me. If he looked at me, I'd just shit myself <laughs> and walk out. <laughs> Absolutely. And what about like your personal routine or like how has that developed over time? What goes into getting, say you've got an event next week, normal life, not being stuck in a hotel room. Yeah, what, yeah. What's, what's prep like for an event? So just, I mean, just kind of ticking, obviously with surfing, the ocean is so uncontrollable. You just don't know what you're going to get. So you got to kind of tick the boxes you can as far as equipment goes, as far as even like small stuff like travel plans, where you're going to eat, how it's going to be, visualize. I do a lot of visualizing kind of on, on how the feeling is going to be when I'm there. And then just trying to replicate that as much as possible. Um, but the main thing is pretty much equipment. You know, I show up to a lot of events, um, especially with rookies now where they just get so many surfboards at them. They're all trying to try try things and kind of trying to like reinvent the wheel when you're really not. It's like, you, you to simplify it, you're just basically going to go out there for 30 minutes and find the two very best waves. That's it. There's nothing more, you know, that's really happening. You're going to stand up and you're going to try and sell the judges on what you're doing on the wave, like a car salesman pretty much. And so <laughs> that's what kind of I, I, I get into my mind when I just really simplify everything and um, don't overthink it. Just be you and fucking go try your best. Yeah. That's good advice. Are you working with any surfers in particular, like mentoring them and helping them through the ranks? Like you, you keeping an eye on a few people? Yeah, so we have this one South African kid now um, that's just joined the tour. I'll give him like a small little bit of advice, like places where to stay and things like that. But for the most part, like I'm here to win a world title. I don't need anybody in my way like trying to disrupt that you know so yeah uh it's yeah. like advice is not going to come from from me and and nor is it going to come for free <laughs> <laughs> All right. you said you're a bit of a shark in the water i feel like you you actually are like when when you switch on for, for like we were talking to ed cowan and it was about like um fo minutes of focus or amount of focus you can actually have in a day do you have to sort of make sure you're nice and relaxed before you go out like you listening to music and, and chilling out or are you sort of just come finals though, you yeah you might have to serve multiple heats you know? yeah you, you might stay be switched on for an extended you're definitely period. mindful of that like when you're coming in from a previous heat you're not going to be like dawdling you, you your, your main focus when you're coming in is like hey get back get rested and, and get prepared for the next one um but yeah i don't know for me i've got i've got adhd so i just kind of my mind allows me to check out and then check back in and so i when I do check in, I'm there like a hundred percent and just like beaming. And then when I don't, my, my mind's like completely somewhere else. So it allows me to get away from it for a bit um, and have that off. I feel like you need that off to have the on uh, and to have that on be so intense. Um, but I don't know. I think that's what, that's what helps me, you know, and that's just me personally, you know, there's so many surfers, everyone's different. Everyone's got their own way of, of doing things. Um, but you'll pick up like you'll you'll pick slowly pick up on other people's things like in a in a heat if they get a little bit rattled. There's certain things that you'll pick up on like hey I've seen that thing again now okay, I've seen what's going on there now he's doing it again, so it's it's obviously meaning something into him. So that in a heat you'll probably try and wrestle the guy up to know that hey if I'm getting him to do this and I know his, I know what his reset buttons are or whatever this is, then I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking trigger that thing all heat long. 
you know, and and just yeah. and just make the guy uncomfortable and thinking about me and not motion and just Man, any any tactics. I didn't realize it got that deep. Like, I, not that I ever really thought about it, but it totally makes sense. Like, even the like, do, do surfers use the media like boxers and UFC fighters would? Like, is it sort of slipping in where you're sort of got, not calling out other comp, com, uh, competitors or anything, but you're more like throwing a bit of shade or anything like, like stuff like that? Does that sort of happen to to get things going? I don't think many guys throw too much shade, but I think they definitely. Um, I don't know. It, it depends on like who it is, I guess, and 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 what where they are. I don't know. I just you just want to make it as uncomfortable and unpleasant as possible for for them every time. Because if people you know? are dropping clips, like if, if leading up to an event, people are dropping clips. You know, you you might all be different places all over the world, and you see yep. other people surfing. Does it get you fired up? Because I feel like there's some strategy about hey, um, events about to start. I'm dropping my best wave I've ever had. Yeah, come <laughs> two, on, mate. Yeah, hours yeah. before the first Absolutely, heat. absolutely. I mean, a lot of people kind of think like, you know, perception is reality. So uh, when they're th throwing out these clips and they're doing all these things, they're like, fucking, yeah, I'm the man. I'm popping up my tires. I'm ripping. I'm doing my squats. I'm showing you guys all on Instagram media, all this stuff. But for me, it's completely opposite. So like there's surfers that are going to show you every single squat and setup that they're doing and what they're doing in the gym and everything. That's just not me. You know, I don't want to give any competitor any bit of motivation to go and work out or to see what I'm doing or to anything like that. No, I, I want it all to be in my mind. So when I paddle out, it's like, I know I've fucking done the work. I know I'm going to tame this guy. And, and that's, that's what's happening, you know? So for for them for them it's like oh they're gonna see it. fuck Jordy was training this that shit maybe I should train I don't want I don't want them to have a sniff of of even thinking about doing anything that's gonna make them better you know um, like Lizzie, a different Watson, approach, Lizzie Watson said that she goes oh she said the exact same thing she, she's captain Lizzie, yeah, ca yeah captain of the Australian netball team yeah so okay. and she said the same thing she was like um, she couldn't believe it could she she didn't want to share anything yeah she's she was so saying, I don't want to motivate like any you. one of my so competitors at all. Yeah, you hide in the shadows and then rock up competition day and go, fuck, I didn't realize he's such a beast. Like, he's just yeah. carving. Ready to go, yeah. Hey, tell us about who, who's who's going to win this year besides yourself. Who's 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 up there? Who's competing for the world title this year? Um, I think it would have to... I'd have to say John, just from his time off. Um He's had more time off than anyone, almost, well, well over two years. So I think for him, he feels like a very big burden to like prove something now, like oh, he's, he's, he's back and he's bringing in everything. Um, Gabrielle and Italo both had exceptional years last year, one and two. They, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot that's changed, you know. Personally, Gabrielle's got a new girlfriend, wife, you know, who knows that, how that's going to affect his, his run now um italo's recently broken up with his girlfriend so who knows how that's going to affect things um the, there's all these like behind the scenes personal things that might have gone on and and you just never know how it's going to react uh with with the surfers could be for a positive could be for a negative um so yeah i guess like time will tell you know for me on my side i've just i had a i've had a newborn baby i'm a family man now so that who knows how that's going to affect me um but yeah, 
I think, uh, if anything, to go for pipeline is obviously a difficult one. It's obviously John's home, home break, um, place where he'll feel more comfortable than anybody um, over there. So now, kind of being here in Australia is going to be a little different. I think um, the, it's a beach breaks, you know, which is not exactly his forte, but um, yeah. And then they're probably going to be wild cards. They're probably going to be a bunch of wild card people that just no one expected just to get thrown into the mix, especially if the waves are. Or subpar. So, what about roughies? Anyone? Any? What about you? Had to pick one roughie on tour right now that could come and surprise anyone this year. Who, who? Who do you think it will be? I think, to be honest, I think Matt McGillifred, the South African kid, he's got like zero, pretty much, following, so to speak. Or, but I know, I personally know the effort that he puts in. And I know, I think I would, I would actually go on record saying, I think it's more than anybody on tour. So I think it, he's, he's a, he's an absolute maniac workhorse. Um, I just have to, I think I'd definitely have to say him. I just know how fucking guys are gnarly. He sleeps on the Bozu ball. <laughs> nah. so, what, so what about for you personally, like, do you consume new content and, and all that sort of stuff? Do you like to learn, read books and, all that stuff and learn different things or are you just sort of switching off when you're not surfing? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not much of a reader. So I've also got a slight case of dyslexia. So I don't read too much. Uh, my wife hammers all the reading and then just kind of translates everything to me. Like, Hey, this is happening. That's happening, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think that just allows me to like focus really on what I need to do. Um, but yeah, I, I check out and uh, once I've checked out of the events and things like that, I'll go into she's design I'm, I'm really creative in that sense i like to design a lot so whether it's like just recently designing board bags um whatever it is clothing with o'neill um yeah just kind of anything really boards i sit and design boards all day with my dad um and yeah so just trying to make things in my life better have you got a have you got a, a blueprint in your head of what the perfect board is that you haven't ridden yet um the perfect board for each condition yeah so they're, they're they're at a stage now where they're like golf clubs right so you need them you need one club for every shot you can't use the putter on the whole course it's just ain't gonna cut it's not gonna work you know so you have to have a design board for every condition and then you've got to have enough hours on them like a relationship or something you need to build that trust and that feeling muscle memory with that board model in those conditions and have that thing on ice ready to go. When the conditions show up that are like that, you're just straight out the bag. There we go, plug and play. Well, I love that. Well, how many boards would you have then? Like how many boards? I mean, how many? Like different... Twenty-two here in Australia. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Fuck, did you all come in on the same plane? Yeah. <laughs> Overhead. I just yeah. hey, all, all the rookies got their boards right in the back corner. <laughs> uh, rookies are only allowed ten boards. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, there was, was a lot of surfboards. I think I probably brought the, close to the most, I think, um, just based on not knowing what's next. Um, after the Australian leg, we don't know if Brazil's going to be on or if J-Bay is going to be on. So I kind of had to bring the kitchen sink, just bring everything and just hope um, things pan out. Well, man, we're, we're, we're so chuffed that we've been able to chat to you today. It's just been... I'm uh, glad you uh, used the word chuffed. I've, today, used twice, so, <laughs> I've used it twice. So I haven't you used have, it the last time I used chuffed, but I'm, that's three times that's now. Three times, man, yeah. so stoked to chat to you and like, congratulations, everything you're doing with Heaps Normal. Just 
and good luck for the rest of the year with if the events yeah, go cool. ahead we'll be watching and uh cheering on cheering you on sorry and i um, hope you get a gold at the olympics yeah how fucking oh, sick would that be frothing on that i'll be pumped oh, thanks boys i appreciate it hey geordie smith 10 out of 10 future olympian in the small surf out there in japan just gonna power hack his way to a gold medal i reckon Oh, a couple of heel flips. What do you reckon? Surely there's some new tricks coming out in the Olympics if it's just like one foot. You know what I mean? Sure, the Brazilians will be going nuts, won't they? They love yeah. the small surf. Well, it's going to be it's going to be hard. It's not going to be very big. But I'll tell you what, um, pumped to be part of Team Heaps Normal. Pumped to be associated with the brand, doing what they're about to do. Because I know when you see things, we can just, you, you and I have been talking about it and we can just see where it's going. You know, yeah. and I'm just pumped we're along, we're along for the journey and can't wait to, to meet Geordie when he comes down to Bells and take him on in a heat and probably wipe the floor with him. That'd be good to watch, yeah. I can't wait to see that. If you're listening, Geordie, that's a call-out. Um, Rob, Robbie reckons he's got you. Uh, Winky pops his wave. So whenever you want to bring it, bring it. Question, actually, is that is that is that an original Offspring shirt or is that a... Um, yeah, original. No, it's original, no way. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, co- I collect old vintage rock tees. Bullshit. Yeah. So I've got like uh, original Nirvana ones from the last concert Kirk played. I've got Guns N' Roses. I've got, um, fuck, I've got some even from like Rolling Stones um, that I've been given and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I go and uh, sift through these crazy big warehouses in LA, American recycled vintage clothing. And they've just got bales and bales. And I got, it spends like five, six hours at a time to find like one T-shirt if I'm lucky. But yeah, it's pretty, pretty rad. Mate, that's, my fucking, that. no. that's my fucking favorite day ever, going to the salvos <laughs> and just digging yeah. through and trying to find, mate, I've got the old Smashing Pumpkins one. Oh, that's gold. Pearl that's Jam. Gold. I mean, some of them are just ridiculous. Like I've got T-shirts that I go for $1,500, easy. Yeah, it's fucked, isn't it? It's yeah. like, it's worth more than the vinyl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, you have to get the, get the I've kind of up. started putting them away now um, to, I want to kind of keep them for my, my little man. And then like, they'll be like fucking 45, 50 years old almost by, by the time he's like 20, you know? Oh. And it's even it's even harder because I search only for the double XLs, which fit me. Um, and they're really hard to come by. You know, a lot of XLs get made, but not a lot of double XLs. So Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you'd be stiff because you'd yeah. be finding heaps of grouse ones and going, fuck, I can't wear it. Yeah, I mean, I've even got, I've, I've, I've taken some that are even not in my size just because I know the resale value. I'm just like, fuck, if you come across, you just got it. You got to get it, you know? How many you reckon uh, you got? Probably got 60, 70. Oh, that's yeah. a good collection. Far out. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, no, I've got a few few old old ones as well. Yeah, no. I've screamed in the background. Yeah, that's that you don't awesome. ever wear. That's what my wife's screaming in the background. She's like, that you don't ever wear. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's sponsored. But this is my hobby. <laughs> just put them just wrap them the surfboards up in them yeah yeah i actually thought uh, there's a guy that's like doc uh dr romanelli he's a like an artist guy in la and i was thinking maybe i've got to have him he does these sick couches like these big couches and i thought maybe if he did these big like just cut them all up and then put uh, made a fucking mad sick couch just with all this metallica and all this crazy cool shit um that would, would go off pretty rad but then I'm like, well, then the t-shirt's kind of gone and no one's ever going to wear it unless they come to your house and sit on there and fight, on it? <laughs> Maybe you need to buy two. That's why I always double up. If you find yeah. them, buy two. Yeah. If I, if you can, but I mean, for, for the most part, I just find they're, they're like ones. And I'm, I'm all over the internet all day long finding like, what's what's prestigious? What do I got to look for, you know? 
Do you wear them when they come in? Do you? I do. I do. Not straight away. I wash them, give them a small wash, hang dry them, and then I'll and I'll put them on for sure. It's like fucking Christmas, isn't it? When you get in the package, you're going fuck. It's even better. Those little tears, and you're like, oh, this must have been through some fucking death metal, freaking (laughs) rock. You know, this this t-shirt must have seen it all. Oh fuck. Yeah.